Two Man Advantage, the podcast is brought to you by Game Time, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know that the NHL ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? Game Time tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the Game Time app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. The app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. It's an easy two-tap checkout. And it's not just for sports tickets, but also music and theater tickets as well. So head to the App Store or Play Store now to download Game Time and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. Hey everybody, Scott Burnside back as always with Two Man Advantage, the podcast, and I feel like some days I could reach out and touch you, Pierre Lebrun, and which I know you hate. And uh, it, one of my favorite things about you, and people probably don't know this, is that when we are together, and if we're at a morning skate, and you know there's eighteen thousand empty seats, I like to sit right next to you because I know it makes you crazy. Brutal. Is this true or not? Brutal. You, you are the one guy in the world that doesn't understand the unspoken rule. Like at a movie theater, you don't sit right beside the person unless you have to. You, you have that empty seat in between, right? So you can stretch out and relax. No, but you're that guy. And you will, like people, th- people listening think you're kidding. You literally will sit right beside me in an empty arena. But I, 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 nothing drives me crazier. I can't believe we've never come to blows over that. But what if I need to tell you something that's really important and, uh, you know, like a secret, the athletic plan or something. And if we're far apart, people could listen. Elliot Friedman could be listening in on what we're talking about. That would be no good. Or Chris Johnson. <laughs> it would be no good. So. But uh, anyway, it's all it's always good to, uh, to catch up with you. And it's, uh, there's so much going on in the National Hockey League. Uh, looking forward to Dallas Eakins, the head coach of the Anaheim Ducks, is going to join us later yeah. in the podcast. Ducks coming off a huge win, thankfully, uh, over the Winnipeg Jets. By, by the way, yes, it's Dallas Eakins. Everyone always calls him Eakins. It's Dallas Eakins is the correct pronunciation. Well, we'll confirm that uh, with we him, will confirm but I'm that. pretty sure. Yeah, I bet he wouldn't. I'm at, I don't think Dallas would mind and i bet he wouldn't mind if i sat right next to him in an arena either but we are going to talk to dallas uh and the ducks off to a great start uh especially after a really disappointing year last year so looking forward to that but here's where i want to start Uh, i want to start with uh something that I, i just thought was fascinating and it happened in your city in toronto in advance of what i thought was a pretty terrific hockey game between the washington capitals and toronto maple leafs a game ultimately won by the capitals on a, just what what a night for Alex Ovechkin, right? Like just pounding the puck, mm-hmm. four points. Where's the game winner? But I thought what was interesting and what really made news was a conversation he had in a scrum before the game. And someone asked him, maybe you were there, uh, but somebody asked him about the Leafs. I was no, not. Uh, but I know you were talking to Brian McClellan because I just saw the uh, Q&A that, that came in. But that, That's exactly where I yeah. was at that very moment. I, <laughs> I was at the team hotel with the GM. <laughs> but you, so you're, but you, I'm sure you were aware of, the, somebody asked oh, yeah. Alex about what he thought of the Leafs or where they were at. And, and I'm just going to read, it's a really short quote. It's, they're still a young group of guys. 
I hope they're going to learn, but it's up to them how they want to do it. If they want to play for themselves, if they want to win the Stanley Cup, they're going to have to play differently. And I just, I, I'm, I'm curious what you made of it. It's just, to me, it's, it's so refreshing when a guy like Ovechkin's not throwing the Leafs under the bus. He was asked a question. He answered it very honestly. And then I thought it was really interesting how Mike Babcock, the head coach of the Leafs, responded um, both after that and then I believe after the game as well. But what was, when, you, when you saw that, you were like, oh, boy, that's, uh, that's going to create some waves. Or What did you make of the whole thing? Yeah, the timing was interesting in terms of Babcock's response because, of course, it was a TSN Leafs broadcast. So Mark Masters, who does an unbelievable job covering the team for TSN, he always does a pre-game interview with Mike Babcock. So we started, so we have the exclusive to Babcock's reaction in the moment uh, because, of course, you know he would have gone before Ovechkin in the morning, right? So sequence of events, Mark Masters did ask Babcock in the pre-game about those comments and and. The, the, the real zinger from Mike Babcock, who, I mean, the guy, if you ask that guy, as you know, if you ask that guy a question, he will give you an honest answer. That's right. And, and Babcock said, it stings when it's true. You know? I mean, think about yeah. that for a second. Fabulous answer. And uh, and it is true. And the thing is, who would know better than Alex Ovechkin? Agreed. I mean, th- this is what he lived. For years, had to be reminded of his own uh, inefficiencies in terms of his two-way game and his team's inefficiencies in terms of learning how to win when it mattered in terms of the complete game. That was their journey until they figured it out and won the cup. Um, so I think if anyone has a the right, and I know some people don't like when players talk about other teams that way, but if anyone has earned the right to have an opinion, and by the way, it's not like he it was unsolicited. He was asked by the Toronto media. <laughs> That's right. Um, you know, like, I mean, he's being egged on. He gave an honest answer that, that the Leafs are in, have to figure that out if they're going to take that next step. And, you know, what makes me laugh, and I said this on Gino Reda's show last night on TSN because we led with this, it, I just I just chuckle at the overreaction every time something like this is said in the Toronto market, right? It, it, Montreal's probably the, the only other market where these types of comments blow up like they do. Yeah. And, I mean... It, 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 it's just, it's the truth. And, and you know, how dare someone say some that about a Leafs team that has won a playoff series since 2004. <laughs> you know, like, like, like you have to earn. And listen, most Leaf fans are smart. They get it. And, and I think a lot of them actually were like, hey, he's right. You know, Vetchkin's right. Um, but, you know, you don't earn the right uh, uh, as a fan base or as a franchise to act um, you, you know, like your nose is on Wait. a joint when you haven't right. won yet. And the Leafs have not won yet. I think they will. I, I really think this is the year they take that step. But for now, that comment is completely accurate. And and it, and it's absolutely within Ovechkin's rights to deliver it. Yeah, I, I'm completely with you. And, and you're right. No one takes quicker offense to things than the Leafs. Uh, the Leaf fan base, right? Like, and, and you're right. It's an intelligent, well-read. Hopefully, they're all reading the Athletic. But it's you know, it's a really smart fan base. But they've been waiting a long time, and this team has you know the promise of this team has been building, and you know, three straight, one and done, two times in a row, losing Game Seven against Boston in the first round. So uh, there is, and we've talked about this, but there is an enormous amount of pressure, I think, on this team. 
this year. And there's a lot of pressure on Mike Babcock and Kyle Dubas and all that kind of stuff. But it, I, I thought it was an absolutely right on comment by Alex Ovechkin. And it, and there are other teams you can say this about. Like, I I mean, correct me if, if you disagree, but I, I think you can say the exact same thing about the Tampa Bay Lightning, who as of today are outside the playoff bubble, right? They're 5-4-2 and two, uh, coming off that 62-win season. I think you can say the same thing about Tampa. And maybe you say the same thing about other, you know, sort of teams that are are, are knocking at the door, uh, you know, pick a team, you know, Buffalo's not quite there yet or whatever. But I think their team, maybe Colorado will have to learn that lesson too. But um, I, I did think it was it was interesting. And like, where, where, where do you think the Leafs are at right now? I mean, we're a month in, they're, they're basically, right, they're even goal differential. They're one, you know, what are they, one game over 500 in the swacky NHL, 6-5 and 3. Um like, what do you make of them? Yeah, work in progress. Again, some of the same defensive issues that Mike Babcock has, has preached to his team about now for three years at least. I mean, I know it's his fifth year, but, I'm you know, the first two years were tank up a loser. But, <laughs> um, or at least the first year. Um, but some of the same problems reoccur. Uh, you know, I, I wrote about them this week. So did James Myrtle, our, our top Leafs columnist. I mean... There are issues here, but I, I honestly think you can see the light at the end of the tunnel. They had a, a brutal opening month schedule-wise, a lot of back-to-backs, key injuries. Obviously, the John Tavares, they started the year without Travis Dermott and uh, Zach Hyman. There are a lot of different things to, to key on here, but um, you know, the white noise that surrounds this team is at a pretty high level. Yeah, you, you know, there, there, there's a lot of consternation from a very passionate fan base about this. And and I think it's for a couple of reasons. One is because it's a lot of the, you know, repeated red flags in terms of defensive awareness, especially from their top players. Um, and I think the other one is just, it's just this sort of narrative that is carried into from, from last year about Cal Dubas and Mike Babcock and their relationship and the future of the coach and all this stuff. Right. And I, I don't think, honestly, I, I don't think, I, I really don't think that something would happen to Mike Babcock, you know, th- this season. I think that he has the year to play with. Yep. And then I think he'll be judged on whether or not this team finally wins a playoff series or two. But I think the reason that fans are, I mean, and I get asked about it all the time. I spent all my weekends in minor hockey rings, as you know. It's the <laughs> number one question I get from Leaf fans. What's going to happen with Babcock? The reason they're asking me is because, you know, Dubas himself kind of let it hang out there at his season-ending press conference last year. And so that creates the narrative, right? And and again, I don't think Kyle Dubas did that on purpose. I I, I think, honestly, I think if you go back and listen to Kyle Dubas, what he was saying is, you know, he's under evaluation. The coach is under evaluation. The player's under evaluation. It's a season-ending evaluation, and Kyle Dubas is a very methodical intelligent guy and I and I think he was just a little too honest there and 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 matter of factly and I don't think realized in the moment how that was going to be portrayed and I can't imagine frankly that Babcock would have appreciated that in the moment right so all of that hangs over this franchise you know as I wrote the other day Scott I don't know if you agree or not you know Tampa has acknowledged publicly John Cooper they've carried a burden into this year right I mean they have to deal with the, the memory of the first round loss and the meltdown to Columbus, and they have to work through it this year. You know, uh, you know. I think there are other teams that carry stuff in, and Toronto is one of them. 
Toronto has issues that they couldn't just cleanse entering the season. They're dealing with them in real time. And that's why I think the next few weeks are really important for the Leafs to find their consistent game and quiet down a really, really passionate market. Yep. I, I, I couldn't agree more. And I think that we're going to learn a lot about not just Mike Babcock as a coach and, and, and how he comes through this, but but the rest of that lineup. You, you mentioned James Myrtle. Uh, people should give uh, James Myrtle and Jonas Siegel a listen on the podcast, The Leaf Report. They do a nice job with that, so they should listen to that. And, Pierre, I want you to take just a, one deep breath. We're going to take a brief break, and we're going to come right back, and I'm going to ask you about Vladimir Tarasenko. So, you've had a long day at work, tough day at school, still stuck at the office? Why don't treat yourself to the meal you deserve and have your favorite restaurants come to you with DoorDash? DoorDash connects you to your favorite restaurants in your city. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be delivered to you wherever you are. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code ADVANTAGE. That's $5 off your first order when you download the DoorDash app from the App Store and enter promotional code ADVANTAGE. Don't forget, that's promo code ADVANTAGE for $5 off for your first order order from DoorDash. As promised, did you prepare while, while we took that break? Are you ready to, to, to discuss Vladimir Tarasenko? What, what a blow for Doug Armstrong and Craig Berube and the, and the St. Louis Blues to find out that uh, Tarasenko is, is basically going to be gone for the rest of the regular season, shoulder surgery. And um, I think the, the timeline was reevaluate in five months, which basically takes you to the end of March if, if that timetable holds. And I, I wonder what you thought when you first heard that. And, you know, if there's a team in the NHL, at least in my mind, that that might be able to absorb this kind of loss, it might be the St. Louis Blues, given how they're built. But, man, that's a – as I talked to – I was talking to a scout yesterday. He said, that's a real kick. It was a real kick. And there's no question about it. Yeah, it is. I mean, listen, anytime you lose a guy that's led your team in goals five straight years <laughs> – you're not going to pretend like it's not going to have an impact. Um, but they are deep, right? And, and and they're deep at a time where they have guys, I think, fighting to uh, claim a place in the lineup and a more prominent place in the lineup. This was always actually going to be an interesting year, I think, for the Cup champions that way. Uh, you know, I think of uh, Sammy Blay that, you know, at least on Tuesday in practice was getting that Tarasenko spot on the top line, right? And Every time you hear Doug Armstrong talk about Sammy Blay, I mean, he, he gets sort of that higher higher level of compliment, it seems, than all the other young players in the organization. So I think they're pretty high on him. But at, at some point in time this year, I think there are opportunities there for Robert Thomas, who's a really smart two-way player, with I think has a chance to really put up some numbers at some point in time. He's only 20 years old and he used to stay healthy. Robbie Fabry, uh, Zach Sanford. So I think there are candidates there to... to to grab an opportunity and make more of it within, you know, uh, the blue setup. That's where it's going to start. I mean, what will be interesting to me, Scotty, is as we get closer to the trade deadline in February is, is a, you know, the prognosis on Tarasenko's return. And if for whatever reason they find out that he, he won't be back till the playoffs. And again, it may be that he comes back way before that, who knows, but 
if it does go all the way to the playoffs, I mean, does St. Louis pull a Chicago from a number of years ago when Patrick Kane was out till the first game of the playoffs and use that money under the cap to uh, go add uh, before the trade deadline? It's a tricky thing. The timing has to work because, of course, if you do it before, if, if the player comes back for the end of the regular season, you need his salary to go back on the books, right? But if it's right, playoff exactly. time, there's no salary cap. So that's what intrigues me the most. Do you know what? Whenever you bring up that Patrick Kane uh, situation, it always makes me think. Oh of, my god! I knew you were going to bring this up. <laughs> you know, I still it's I'm just still so bitter about the fact that, that in our playoff pool, you immediately took Patrick Kane. He wasn't supposed to come back in the till late in the first round, if at all, and and you took him and won the pool. So anyway, I, I, that makes I, me I, mad. Yes, I've I think gotten about a little. Uh, a little birdie had given me a hint, and and yeah. but not to the point where I I felt journalistically in a position to report anything. But I felt strongly enough about it pool wise that I took him. I think tenth overall in the first round of our playoff pool, and he ended up leading the playoffs and scoring. And you guys all Brutal. hate me ever since because I won the pool. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't hate you necessarily, <laughs> but it certainly makes me want to sit right next to you in an arena because it makes you crazy. Uh, so here, let me, and you raise an interesting point with the Blues and the potential trade deadline, and we know Doug Armstrong is not afraid to to, to make the move. And I and I, I was talking to a scout for my end of month uh, notes column, which will run tomorrow, I think. Um, and, and he ra- he completely. We were talking about Tarasenko, but he completely un provoked by me he said well what about this what if the devils are still languishing and there's no contract extension for taylor hall how does taylor hall look in that blues lineup you know again lots of moving parts blah 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 but there's you know it's it sets up an interesting dynamic i I think it's different and we can touch on the injuries to um two top colorado players miko rantanen and gabriel landeskob they're not out you know their injuries are not I mean, they're not day to day, but they're not months away. I don't think, if I understand the initial reports. But we know Tarasenko is really, like, it really is basically could be the rest of the regular season. Does that? What What do you think of that, Taylor Hall, St. Louis Blues? Well, you know, and and it's interesting. Uh, and I don't know if it was Jerry Rutherford who does an unbelievable job covering the blues for the athletic, but I don't know if it was him who reminded me recently, but there were rumors years ago that uh, when Edmonton was auctioning off Taylor Hall, who would end up of course going to New Jersey, that the blues had checked into that. Um, and I mean, I guess I would say what, what team wouldn't have <laughs> given, you know, but um, that would be Doug Armstrong esque, <laughs> you know, they're, there, there are GMs in this league that love swinging for the fences. I call them big game hunters. But Doug Wilson, Doug Armstrong, David Poyle, you know, there's a good solid list there. But veteran GMs who, when guys like that become available, um, take a swing. What we don't know is whether Taylor Hall will become available, right? I, I mean, it's, it's still awfully early. Um, as I reported last week on Insider Trading, I believe that Taylor Hall's agent, Darren Ferris, is slated to have his second face-to-face meeting with Ray Shiro, I think, uh, sometime in the first week of November. Uh, they met during camp. Um, and I don't know that either side is going to be interested in giving us a blow-by-blow here as this plays out. But at some point in time, and presumably before the trade deadline, given, well, depending where the Devils are in the standings, you know, they Ray Shiro has to know. <laughs> Uh, I mean, 
you know, perhaps the Devils work their way back into a playoff spot and then that gives you till July 1st. But if you're out of a playoff spot closer to the February 24th trade deadline, you really cannot in good conscience just let Taylor Hall walk through that trade deadline unsigned, um, you know, given what you can get in a trade for him. So, uh, you know, we keep saying there's lots of time, there's lots of time. Taylor Hall has a process he's working through as he thinks about all this. But there will be a time. <laughs> and so every time, you know, Darren Ferris and Ray Shiro meet, it's it's important. Well, and it, it, it's it's such a, it, yes, it, it is early. And, and right now the Devils are dead last in the Eastern Conference. But they've only played nine games. I mean, what what a brutal schedule, right? <laughs> played, they played, we're at the end of October. They've only played nine games. Pittsburgh's played, Washington's played 14 games, <laughs> Right. And, yeah. so, and, and won nine of them, by the well, way. Well, yeah, exactly. I'm just saying, but it's, you know, what's the sample size? I, I mean, the bottom line for the Devils is is that they just, unless their goaltending gets better, unless they're better defensively, um, they're it's going to be very, very difficult for them to, to climb back into the playoff spot. And, you know, Jack Hughes is going to get it, and they are going to, I think they are going to be a better team. And I like the idea, I talked to a couple people, and Tom Fitzgerald coming down from the executive suite to help out John Hines on the bench. And I just think it's a really smart move um, to to try and get as many eyes as possible on how to, to, to turn things around. But, man, it just, they're, they just haven't gotten goaltending they need to from uh, Corey Schneider and Mackenzie Blackwood. And the, and you're right, at some point, unless that changes, um, then the Taylor Hall clock may tick louder sooner than people might have imagined. So, mm-hmm. uh, I should- Although imagine for a second, not that the Devils want to be in another draft lottery because this is the year that they really wanted to take a positive step. Sure. You know, that's why you go out and get guys like P.K. Subban, Wayne Simmons, and so on. But imagine for a moment if they did win the lottery again and add Alexi Lafreniere to Jack Hughes and Nico Escher. <laughs> too many centers to go around there, or too many high-end forwards in a way. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. I don't think Ray Shiro is, is angling for that, but you're right. So I should mention you mentioned Jeremy Rutherford. He he and Barrett Jackman do a podcast in St. Louis called "We Went Blues." I know. Every time I call Jeremy, he's taping the podcast. Yeah, I don't even. I don't really know what that means. So we went blues. I don't know. I like. I maybe I. I'm not a millennial. I guess I don't understand some of that stuff. So anyway, that's what they do. They do. We went blues. Uh, I want to ask you before we get towards the end of the first big part of the podcast, and before we get to Dallas Aikens, uh, whose name I now will pronounce correctly forever and ever, thanks to you. Less, less, of course, you're wrong. Um, I want to ask you, you we talk about uh, Nico Heischer is signed a new deal with the Devils. But the big news of the week on, in terms of the signing, Roman Yossi, oh, the big deal boy. in Nashville. And to me, what was fascinating, you were all over this. But what is fascinating about that deal is that to get Roman Yossi uh, where they wanted on that eight-year deal, uh, there was a, there's a no-move-no-trade clause, which is something that David Poyle almost never does. I wonder if that's – is that is that a big deal? What do you make of, of that part of it? Because to me, that's what has made the Predators so interesting over the last, you know, whatever it is, six or seven years, is that they've had complete flexibility. That's why they can trade P.K. Subban, right? I mean, they just – yeah, or Seth Jones. I mean, any then you know Seth Jones was younger, but 
David Poyle has always had maximum flexibility with his players. Um, but I, to me, this speaks to just how important he felt Roman Yossi was to, to the group. And I wonder if you think it's a big deal or not. It's a huge deal. It's only the second full no movies given uh, other than Pecorine in the history of the franchise. Um, the interesting thing is, uh, my understanding is that it was one of the first things actually that the Predators put on the table. So you would think that, you know, normally when you negotiate these type of contracts, getting to the numbers is the first thing you do because it's, it's you know, the hardest thing. And then at the end, you you argue over structure and, and clauses. But in this particular case, my understanding is, uh, and perhaps it was Nashville's way to try to really jumpstart negotiations, but uh, in the dead of summer, when these negotiations were going back and forth, the uh, the Predators said okay to the full no move. But it wasn't until weeks and weeks and weeks later that they finally ended the stalemate. So I, I'm just saying... It's fascinating to me because you always think, well, that's going to be the hardest thing to get from David Poyle. But in fact, they, I think they got it early. What they didn't get early is the number they wanted. And, and you know, for the longest time, um, I believe the Predators were at $8.5 million a year. And um, the OC camp represented by Jeb Moldaver and Jeff Jackson were at $9.5 million a year. Um, both positions I could certainly justify and argue for. But uh, they kind of met in the middle there with the just north of nine. You know, when you consider the, the no state income tax in Tennessee, can I just tell you as a Canadian, I don't even know what that would be like, but <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, the no state income tax in, in Tennessee, uh, my understanding is that like Roman Yossi, basically his take home pay is going to be equivalent to Eric Carlson in San Jose. Yeah. Uh, despite the fact that Eric Carlson, his gross salary is 11.5 million, but because of the different tax situations, they're basically going to have similar bank accounts. So that's a, pretty big deal for Roman Yossi. And I know a lot of people, when you when you look at eight years and you look at, I think, Roman's uh, 29, does that sound right? Yeah, he'll be 30 when the deal yeah. kicks in. Um, like it's, yeah. that, that's just life though, right? I mean, I, I saw some, there was sort of, you know, that social media debate, well, they should have, you know, ideally you assign him to a five-year deal or, or whatever it is. But Oh, sure. <laughs> but that, yeah. like that's not, that's. Ideally, I wouldn't go to work every day. I mean, yeah, sure. Like, yeah. these guys decide their contract. Like, he's not signing for five years. Fans, <laughs> fans listening to this, I've got to understand this, like. These guys who are UFA July 1st, captain of the team, number one defenseman, top five, top ten, you decide defenseman in the world, I think top five. Yep. They're not doing five years if they don't want it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> okay? yes. They're doing eight years because this is their one moment to, to cash in. And in particular, Roman Yossi's coming off a, well, he's, he's in, the, you know, this is the seventh year of his contract that he signed a long time ago, which pays him four million a year. <laughs> That's right. Like, to be honest, I'm sure that Nashville is, is is feeling trepidatious about, you know, the term and the money and all that. But what I would tell David David Poyle is is you know okay, so you just signed him to a, a 72 million dollar contract. So let me do the math in real time here, which is dangerous. Nine point zero five nine times eight years. Okay, now plus the 28 million dollar deal over seven years. Okay, that's just over $100 million, okay? Divided by 15 years. So you will have had Roman Yossi over the 
presumably between this seven-year deal and this eight-year deal for six point six. Six point six nine million a year, or six point seven million a year. Look at you! you think, Look at you, you with the, the Predators math. would take that. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm just yeah, saying. No, of course. Do you think at the end of this career that they would take him at six point seven million a year for fifteen years? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So now the, uh, there is great risk in this deal, and it, and and it, and it's got to do with the no movement. And and the risk is you, you don't know if in four or five years there's a you know there's an injury and and that's that changes his effectiveness and. And then you're trapped, right? And then you have, you know, you have a contract you can't move, and and, and it's difficult. And that and that would have been the part that that scares David Poyle, I'm sure. But at the end of the day, this is an amazing skater who's kept himself. He's one of the better conditioned guys in the league. All the indicators that are in front of you say that this is worth the gamble. Yeah. I'm with you. This I, I'm I'm fascinated with this team, and I, I keep saying I'm, I'm not just. I can't remember. Maybe I picked them to go to the final last year. I can't remember. But I, I couldn't. I thought they were. It was so disappointing how they played against Dallas in the first round last year. Like it was mm-hmm. a mess, right? They. It was just that was it was ugly, and I think it, this year is so critical. It's critical for Peter Laviolette, the head coach there. And, you know, PK Subban is gone, and uh, uh, Matt Duchesne is in now. They've got the. You know, they they've sort of got things where. You know, where I think they've felt they've addressed some of their shortcomings or power play, which was dismal last year, is now sort of middle of the pack. So they have shown some progression there. But I think this is a huge year for the Predators. And, you know, what would see overused cliche of the window closing. And we we talked about that with the Washington Capitals when it didn't really look like they don't, then it didn't close at all. It opened right up. But uh, I, right. I do think this right. I do think this is a really important year. Um for a franchise that has become, I think, on some levels, really one of the model franchises in the NHL, right? Small market, but boy, mm-hmm. the, the fans love that team. The crowds are great. It's a great vibe. Like, I'm, I'm all in for having All-Star and Stanley Cup Final, and all league events should be either in Vegas and Nashville. That's what I think. But <laughs> oh, so just before we take a break, we're going to hear from you. I, I, I think your liver disagrees, <laughs> by the way. But and the and the Preds are off to a great start. They're eight three and one, um, and they they do look like a team that seems to have addressed some of their issues. And I think they're going to be a force as as we move through this season and and no come doubt. playoff time. So that's my statement. no doubt. And uh, it's funny when I when I pick San Jose to win the cup before the season, which is not looking terribly uh, prescient right now <laughs> with the Sharks' continued struggles. Part of my theory was that Washington and St. Louis have won the last two cups and they were two franchises that had knocked at the door forever. So my theory might be sound. It's just that maybe I should have looked at another team that's knocked at the door forever, other than San Jose and the in the National Predators. There you go. How about yeah. that? Yeah. Well, we're gonna we're gonna find. Never it. know. All right, buddy. As always, fine work. Now, if you want to hear our conversation with Dallas Akins, head coach of the Anaheim Ducks, and you need to subscribe to The Athletic, which you should be doing as a matter of course. Um, but fine work, Pierre, as always. Right on, right on. Right on.